So that's one thing. Give them the information. Help them during the flight, even, if possible. Because if I'm catching little Dolores at the age of 22, when she has this panic attack, and in that plane, I explain to her, no, Dolores, there's nothing to be afraid of. Then she disembarks from the plane without having that uh, post-trauma. Welcome to Truth Behind Travel Podcast. My name is Dolores Semeraro, and this is my weekly show dedicated to hospitality and tourism professionals who want to restart the tourism and the travel industry with traveler-centric tools and insights and jump-starting their travel recovery journey starting today. Subscribe to the show to be the first to know when the next episode, full of tips, tools, and strategies on travel recovery, goes out. Picture this. I just graduated in Chinese language and I'm off to China for the first time to do an intensive language course on top of my degree that will make me even dream in Chinese language. I was 21 years old and I never got on a plane before in my life. So there I was, not knowing what will happen up there, how I would feel, yet facing one of the most important choices of my life. Do I get on that plane and own the course of my life? Or I let my fear of flying get the best of me and go back to my secure job, to my college sweetheart, and a life that I could already see unfolding in front of me. Decisions, decisions. Okay, fast forward 22 years and a life lived fully across Asia, Africa, and Europe. And I still think that that decision I made not to let my fear of flying dictate what will I do with my life was the best decision ever. So what happened on that plane, you might ask? Stay with me on this episode because I brought you a very special guest to talk about fear of flying and how this is affecting the life of tens of thousands of people around the world, particularly when it comes to travel internationally. Are you one of them? Well, my guest today has been a pilot for 41 years with more than 19,000 flight hours. He was a former fighter pilot flying the F-16 and is currently flying the Boeing 787. For the past 10 years, he has helped people with fear of flying all over the world. So much so that he has developed a methodology around it, one that we are going to cover on today's episode. So, Don't stop listening halfway through because he's giving you a special gift to access his methodology courses for free. Yes, for free. So stick around. I am so excited and I hope you are too. So help me welcome Captain Ellen Pereg. Welcome back to the show and welcome, Ellen. I'm so pleased to have you. I know you have to catch flights and I believe you're connecting from Bangkok right now. Yes, I have to look out the window to make sure that I'm really in Bangkok because life as a pilot sometimes is weird. Very hectic. So how did you come to be a pilot? Tell us a little bit about your story. I'll I'll tell you only in a nutshell that the age of uh, nine, I believe, my mother took me to the optometrist that uh, defined that I was a little bit short-sighted. And he said, you know, kid, I'm going to give you glasses, but it will not affect your life. You are not going to be a pilot. That's all. 
Uh, so at the age of nine, I knew that I was not going to be a pilot. But then again, uh, at the age of uh, 19, approximately, when I joined the military, they did think that I, uh, I fit to be a pilot and I started the flight course. So I was a fighter pilot in the Israeli Air Force. I flew F-16s. And when I retired from flying, I joined the uh, El Al Airlines in Israel, and I became a commercial pilot. Now I'm a captain of a Dreamliner, a 787. Altogether, how many years flying? Altogether, I graduated flight school 41 years ago. And if you uh, accumulate all the 19 plus thousand hours that I've been in the airs, uh, you would like to say that I stayed in the air more than two years of my life. It's You are officially the first pilot on this podcast. We're going to talk about how does it work in the aviation industry to really navigate, um, I wouldn't say navigate now, more like flying through the, um, the pandemic and especially the last two, 20 plus months that we've been talking on the podcast about what can we do to help the industry uh, in terms of travel recovery and, and tourism restart. And one of the one of the subjects that often comes up in terms of really working on rebuilding that trust in travel and that trust in travelers for them to be to be to to be able to feel confident and travel again and move, whether that is domestically or internationally, if it involves flying, there is one aspect that is often under, underestimated, and that is fear of flying. And today we're going to talk about a lot about this, especially because you have taken a direct interest in helping travelers overcome their fear of flying. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how did that come about? How did that start? It uh, happened, I think you could say maybe by mistake or without really intention, because I was not really aware of the fact that people can be afraid of flying. Flying is a way of living for me, but a little by little, people came to me when I became an airline pilot, approximately 10 years ago, they came to me, even though I've been flying 20 years as an airline pilot, they came to me with questions. And initially I didn't really take it seriously, but then I understood that they were really in a big fear. And I learned that people with the fear of flying, sometimes, by the way, are flying, but with great anxiety. It is not the um, most spread out fear in the world. By the way, talking in, pu in public is considered to be the, the biggest phobia that exists. But uh, fear of flying is very spread in the world. Uh, approximately one out of three people suffers some kind of fear of flying. Most of them, of, of course, fly. But the ones with severe uh, fear of flying do not fly at all. So I started to understand that it was a problem, and I started to help them, you know, without a curriculum, without really a program. And I saw that it worked, and the... Uh, if you want the breaking point or when it really became a program was a daughter of a childhood friend that was 26 years old and did not fly. 
and she wanted to fly to Thailand. And I did uh, what I did. I spoke to her and I showed her uh, some clips and explained to her. And she flew to Thailand. And when she returned, by the way, she got uh, proposed and uh, she's married and now she's a mother. But when she got back from Thailand, she called me and said, you know, you have to do it organized. It's not a right way to do it one here, one there. And it fell exactly to where I felt that I needed to do. And I wrote it all down and I started a classroom uh, course back in Israel. Uh, And it ran for three years with uh, hundreds of people going through this course and reporting success. 88% of them reported then that they may, some of them started to fly after avoiding flights. Some of them flew, but with, flew before, but with great anxiety and could enjoy more the travel. Well, imagine that person going to Thailand for the first time wasn't just the first time for her to fly uh, and to get on a plane, but that would have been the most important trip of her life because if you said that she got she got engaged and then got married and got kids and the whole you've you've changed her life you've changed the course of her life you hit the point right in the middle because for her maybe she was uh, she could be proposed in another place but let me give you another example i had in one of my courses a young guy uh, 29 years old newly married and a ceo of a startup that needed to fly and couldn't fly. And he came to this course and uh, actually he ran away on the first day of the course and he returned for the next one because he was so afraid of it. And then after he got over it and flew with his wife for a vacation for the first time and returned, a couple of months later, I sent him a text and asked him how, how things are doing. And he said, it's great, you know, that my startup is growing fast and me and my wife start now to bring, we want to go to the next level and uh, bring a child. And, uh, and then, uh, and I returned to do my music. I didn't know he was doing music, but I have my band back with me and we have performances. And it all started when I offloaded that burden that I was carrying on me. Because, you know, submitting to a a phobia and and not winning this is influencing many other areas of your life. And people that that think of something that is insurmountable and find out that they can, they start to question, wait a minute, maybe there are other things in my life that I think that cannot happen and really can. Another woman that uh, went through my course wrote to me, you know that at the age of 40, if I can fly, maybe I will learn how to drive now. She was avoiding driving. So yes, people are suffering. And the fact that I can influence their life is really, really a gift that I, I feel that I was honored with getting. It's a game changer. Let's talk about that point specifically, that burden that you felt that person was carrying. And despite the fact that in that particular case was referring to the fear of flying, it is a burden. It is is one way that we 
don't overcome that fear. And whether that fear is perhaps to, you know, to, to, to take that next decision that will influence our career or to take that decision that will make us travel internationally or to bring the entire family on a dream vacation on, on, on Disney World, for example, to name a few. But that fear, it's something that influences us deeply and it changes the way we go about our daily life it changes the way we take daily decisions and i wanted to talk a little bit more in 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 depth about how does a person manifest that fear because i tell you just briefly one one example of my very first fly flight experience i was 22 years old a bit late i have to say here is this little Italian girl flying to China for the first time to get on a plane, flying directly on the other to the other side of the world. And knowing that I was going to be on this plane for, I don't know how many hours was back then. And I remember only one vivid moment during that long flight was the fact that at some point my palms were sweating. I was overbreeding is that can you say that like i was definitely having palpitation and it was a sin back then i didn't know i was showing symptoms of fear and nobody was there to help me nobody supported that that moment i just had to sit back breathe in breathe out and hoping that it will go away as fast as possible. So this was my first flying experience, Italy, China. So I, I wonder, how does this fear manifest? It's really uh, something that you cannot really categorize uh, because every person has different background. Some of them uh, really experience panic attack. And uh, mo- what is more important that they are trapped in, si- in a, some kind of a vicious circle which you avoided by, by really a miracle in a way, because they learned from this flight feeling that it was horrible. And then they are coming weak for the next flight, weaker than before, so they are more vulnerable. So, of course, they will have worse experience, and this is a vicious circle. Some of them have some kind of panic attack. Some of them have the startle effect. They, they cannot board the plane. They are on the plane, but they cannot move. Uh, they have many ways to express it, to manifest it. There is no one type of people that are afraid of flying. Some of them are flying, some of them, but all of them are scared to death. That's very important to understand they know almost certainly that they are going to die. So imagine yourself that you are, that you know that you are going to die. So you say farewell to the people you love before you fly. And and you are all the time ready for it to happen. And when it didn't happen, you say, okay, so that was by mistake. Next flight, I will die. And they are totally wrong. And that's what what is triggering me to continue on and on and and helping them to to conquer it. What do you think scares them the most? I I ran a survey in the United States in November 2020, uh, almost a year and a half ago. And we asked the people, we had 1,700 answers. By the way, we asked them, how much are you afraid of flying? It was uh, for the general population. 58 
0.5% said that they were not afraid of flying at all, which means 41.5% of the population answered that they were afraid of flying. In a, to a certain extent, 16% of the population were between substantial and extreme fear. And we asked them, what are you afraid of? And people mostly are afraid of weather phenomenon, and mostly from uh, what they call air pockets or turbulence, as we call them. Uh, but other weather phenomena is also uh, some kind of uh, uh, fear generating uh, things. The other major thing that they're afraid of are uh, human errors, mostly pilot errors and other human errors, technical malfunctions. And uh, since it, this survey was uh, generated during the coronavirus uh, uh, peak time, then many people were expressing fear from COVID uh, affects their flying in any ways. But these are the main uh, things that people are afraid of. So weather conditions, human yes. error, technical, technical malfunctions. malfunctions, and most recently, fear of catching COVID in a plane or so. Now tell me, how many times did people ask you about chances of catching COVID while flying all the time they are asking me and my answer is that uh, there is a chance of catching covid in a plane but this is much less than catching covid in a restaurant or in a bus or um, in any place where you have other people because the air in the plane is totally changing every two to three minutes so it's all the time that you are breathing air from outside, which is um, really filtered and, and without any germs and, uh, and viruses. So yes, you can catch, because if there is somebody sitting right next to you and that person has COVID and uh, that person sneezes or whatever, yes, you can catch it. But this is much, much less than any other area in your life. Have you noticed less people flying as a result of this increase of fears? Almost like the last two years or so, we haven't just amplified the fear of catching COVID, but along with that, many other fears were sort of like reshuffled and, and everything else that we perhaps we forgot to think about. But I've, I've noticed that how people have changed their approach to booking their next holidays. It's no longer just dictated by their desires and needs of, of feeling relaxed and entertained and uh, amused and happy are actually dictated by their needs to, to take care of their mental health, to, their, to take care of themselves because they've, they've gone through a lot. They've, they've been through a lot. Do you think it's, it has escalated during the pandemic or people are now perhaps noticing it more and taking it more into considerations? I think that uh, fear of flying um, totally generally increased during the pandemic due to three main reasons. One, uh, people did not fly for a while and not flying is something that if you had 
fear before, then it will uh, amplify. Uh, and amplify. At this time, it will raise again, and you will go back. If you were on your way to conquering your fear, then you will get back. So first reason for that was the lack of flying. Second reason was that generally uh, this pandemic raised the let's say the itchiness the the the, the how people are, are the nervousness and amplified all the all you, the way that you are looking at things i think so one of them was the fear of flying and the third thing i think that you uh, men, touched it in a way is afraid of uh, of of having covid either on the plane or in the terminal, or even to get uh, to be uh, infected somewhere and to, to be stuck in, in a foreign country when you cannot return to your home. These are all factors that uh, I think created uh, more anxiety in the general population and definitely more with the people of, uh, that have fear of flying. So if we look at, let's say, fear of flying is such a big title, and I feel like we, we, I want to go into details. I want to be as factual as possible into the podcast and, and, and offer solutions to those that are listening. Fear of flying is the condition. So let's imagine we have a before, a during, and an after. And what would you say, based on your research and the, the results and the and the feedback and the people you're helping every day with their conditions of fear of flying? Where would you say people need most of the help in in before, in the during, or in the after? Let's uh, li- let's talk a little bit about the mechanism that feeds and creates the fear of flying, so we can understand it more. And take um, an example in our head. There is a center that is pushing the alarm. This center is analyzing the inputs. And for example, that center sees a lion. A lion. So it says, okay, a lion is a predator and I am a prey. So I have to either fight or run away or freeze, but I have it's it's an emergency. Okay. And that's very good. Then there is another system in our brains that says, wait, wait, wait a second. I see there are bars and actually they are forming a cage and the lion is inside the cage. So even though this is frightening, this is not dangerous. And there is another system that says, okay, we were, and this is the memory. We were in a zoo before And we saw lions inside cages and nothing happened to us. And these three systems consult. It happens all the time, by the way, when we cross the street and all the time. And they say, okay, there is no need to alarm ourselves. Now, people who are afraid of flying have the first system working perfectly because an airplane is a scary thing, period. But the other two systems, one that brings them relevant information, and then other one that gives them uh, memories, good memories, are not really involved in the decision-making system. And now getting back to where you are, uh, what you were asking, 
what we can do is to help them with relevant information uh, anytime they need it. So it starts with before the flight, letting them know exactly what, what they are facing. By the way, it, it should be clear, and that's something that you, the listeners, have to, to memorize, that flying on a commercial plane is the safest way to travel, period. You can look and Google the statistics. That's a fact. And if you tell it again and again, then you are a part of creating this database on the minds of the people that you want them to, to fly. So that's one thing. Give them the information. Help them during the flight, even, if possible. Because if I'm catching little Dolores at the age of 22, when she has this panic attack, and in that plane, I explain to her, no, Dolores, there's nothing to be afraid of. Then she disembarks from the plane without having that uh, post-trauma sort of thing that will generate the vicious circle. And later, after the flight, if you are finding somebody that had a, bed, a worse, the, the worst day of their lives, or they had some kind of, you know, air pocket, they, they thought that they were going to die, and you help them decipher and digest it and understand what they had, then you help them. So there is no one question, and we have to give them a 360 degrees coverage in order to help them uh, overcome the fear. And, and by the way, the fear of flying, and that's what I, I advise the people to understand, to tell themselves, this is a false alarm. That's all. It's a false alarm. It is something that is very vivid in our minds, but it's like, you know, in the hotel, I'm now in the hotel, sometimes, you know, in hotels, you have fire alarms, which are false alarms. So initially, when you have a false alarm, you start looking for the escape route. And then there is a, a, a P, P, public address system that uh, comes on and says, this is a false alarm, or this is just a drill. And then you return to your normal life. That's exactly what they have to do. Realize that the fear of flying is a false alarm. And, and I teach flight attendants to give these answers, tell the people, okay, you are just afraid of flying. It's perfectly okay because approximately 10% of the people on the plane, by the way, it's a, a true number, 10% of the people on the plane in average are afraid of the flight. And I tell them, tell the people, it's okay that you're afraid of flying, but it's just a false alarm. We, we have to remember, it's, for some people, the aviophobia, as we call it, or aerophobia, or fear of flying, is something that needs treatment, real treatment. Approximately 3 to 5% of the people that are afraid of flying needs physicians, doctors, some kind of treatment. The other big, big majority can help themselves with some help from uh, outside, with knowledge, confidence, understanding, and train that system in the minds to see the lion, but see the bars, understand that there is a cage, and define that this is a false alarm. And, 
and I I would say that if if people in the industry want to support people starting to fly again, then you you can be sure that a real a, a real big part, a considerable part of your uh, customers are avoiding flying or are trying to find a way to fly as less as possible or will look for um, a way to fly in the most accommodating way. So you can increase your um, customer base by approaching them. And this is something we spoke about you and I in a, in a, during another chat that is affecting uh, perhaps without actually really seeing the the ultimate effect effect it's affecting a lot of the recovery in the tourism industry today because as you were saying if one family member does not want to fly or is afraid of flying the entire family does not fly for that family vacation they'll find an alternative they will find an option and perhaps that specific destination or that specific hotel that that could have you know been their their final destination doesn't get that booking so it seems to me it's not just the aviation industry failing to support this phobia to 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 sort of to help travelers overcome this phobia but it's it's a it's an industry approach that needs to kind of come together to support those that are are going through this and so where are we failing as an industry to to support people in terms of uh aerophobia how you call it yes aerophobia it's even be- worse than that because you deliver you transfer your fear of flying to your kids so you you actually populate this fear more and more so really it is a big problem and we as the travel industry have to give it some kind of response and that's why i created simply flying so let's talk about simply fly It's a process. It's an app in the form of an app that you've created. And I've had a chance, thanks to you, to have a look, have a look around and, and really dive into the material, the content, the video, and the support system that you build in. So tell us a little bit about it. It came out as a good uh, outcome of the Corona era. I landed from a flight directly to quarantine. And I had to stay at home 14 days uh, back in 2020. I think it was March 2020. I said, well, that's the time to start building this entire course into an app. And I built a mobile application. First of all, it's a full course. I just translated it to English and it is now in English. So it's more than two and a half hours of video course with all the information. It has also... little audio clips that give you the highlights of things and some relaxation exercises. And there is a new service that is innovative and we have launched it a couple of months ago. It's called Chat with a Pilot. If you have internet connection, you can push a button and one of our off-duty pilots around the world will answer you and chat with you and give you information. And in that way, we address, first of all, the issue of knowledge. You know exactly 
the facts, if you learn uh, via the app, you le learn the facts about aviation, you know what happens if, because some of our fears stem from just misknowledge, from knowing false things. For example, people are think, uh, sitting in a plane, thinking to themselves, I am 12 kilometers high in a metal tube, till now it's uh, all correct, and if the engine fails, we fall. First of all, there is no plane with one engine. There are two separate engines that have no connection between them, and one is enough. The other is just a redundant one. If another engine fails, you can glide and land on the water or on, on a runway. So, so knowledge is, is, is power, and that's something that we give them. We also let them have information about the course of the flight so they can anticipate things and understand what they see, feel, hear, etc. And the talk, chat with the pilot completes the loop in helping them getting the information. For example, before the flight, they can chat with the pilot and ask that pilot to, to check the weather all along the route or even during the flight. Now, we are also cooperating with airlines. So if an airline, airline cooperates with us, for example, El Al Airlines in Israel, then all the video course is on board the, the entertainment system of the plane. So people can go through the course of the course during the flight. We're giving the flight attendants training so they know how to help you. So that will uh, complete the 360 degrees of protection and support for the fearful flyers. And I think that as industry, we cannot really avoid treating or helping this market share, which is really important to us. So if I'm a passenger, uh, or oh, let's say before I become a passenger, if I'm a traveler, whether I'm a leisure traveler or a business traveler, and I'm in the middle of my fear of flying and I come across the app, Simply Fly, how much time do I need to go through that content before I'm ready to fly? So the, the course itself is half hours long, which is spread into 20 clips. It's a, and you can download them onto your app and use it even during the flight. I would say that at least two weeks before the flight, it's a good time to start looking at it. And then a day or two before the flight, even chat with the pilot and get some last directions, answer questions, for example. And even during the flight, use the relaxation exercises. It's something that you can uh, use and try. I personally had a, a look and I started to dive into each, each of the videos. And I encourage everybody to watch, uh, that you can find the link in the show notes where we will be putting the, the promo code that you can use to have exclusively for the podcast listeners, three months access free of charge to the premium site of the app. We can from tomorrow morning, give an airline a code and the day after tomorrow, the passengers can use the app. It's as simple as that. And if you are, for example, and you run a travel agency and you want to encourage people to, to buy tickets, then you can give them the app 
for free for, let's say, a month, we want the industry to take off again if it's not clear. Ultimately, it's to help as many people as possible. And if I think of hoteliers promoting their hotels, destination tourist boards promoting their destinations, travel agents trying to get those, those booking back in, or even online tour operators, for example, like platforms like Booking.com or Expedia or these big platforms where people go and book their holidays, having that option that says, well, you know, you're going to have this international flight. And before you give up on the idea of going to Thailand, for example, let's say Thailand can be any, any destination, depends where you are based in the world. Before you give up on that idea, why don't you take a look at this? Why don't you take a look at this video? Why don't you hear what these people have to say? They have, they have decades of experience in the industry. They can tell you all that you need to know so that you can overcome that phobia, that fear of traveling. And for me, one of the reasons why I particularly enjoyed this, pod, this episode today with you, Alan, is because you are addressing a pain it really is speaking to the pain of today's travelers. And sometimes because we are so, we're so immersed and so taken with the day-to-day, you know, tourism, you know, business as usual, things that we do to promote destination, to promote hotels, to promote brands, to get the business up and running, that we forget that ultimately, if we don't get people to travel, the this engine won't restart. And I'm wondering numbers on the hands, but how many people are actually not flying today as a result of, of an amplification of fears and therefore having more pain and, and more um, reservations from flying again, from traveling. And I love the examples that you brought up about uh, fear of flying. It's, it's, I mean, flying, it's the safest way to go from point A to point B we build a perception of what makes us feel comfortable when we travel. So if my perception that flying is dangerous and, I, and I'm afraid of it, so therefore I decide not to fly, gives me the comfort that, okay, I'm comfortable with my decision not to fly because otherwise I'm uncomfortable. So what we need to, we need to help travelers to not just to overcome that fear, but to get them ready, to get them uncomfortable, to get them to listen to people with experience, to get them to listen to people with knowledge that can help them understand how this works. We're not here to share this conversation with the listeners to say, okay, we want more people to fly because we want to fill up the planes and we want the business back. That's not the spirit of today's conversation. The spirit of today's conversation is to help people travel better. And if that, if it, if that starts with understanding how to overcome a fear that perhaps is already affecting their life choices in many other aspects that perhaps they don't, they don't even realize, now that's that's the aim of today's conversation, and I'm so glad that you took the time in between your your connections and flights and connecting with me from a hotel room, sharing your knowledge and your passion. I encourage the podcast listeners to go check the the code in the show notes. It's a promo code to access Simply Simply Fly app Premium for three months. So starting from day of publishings of the podcast, whenever you are happening to listen to that and you want to know more, don't miss this opportunity. So I think it's a remarkable initiative. I wish you all the best. 
thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thank you very much, Dolores. Uh, thank you for letting me spread the word and and thank you for carrying out this marvelous podcast that I am a listener to. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and the many more that I always bring on the podcast to help you navigate your journey towards travel recovery. Every episode is set to bring you tips, strategies, insights from the travel, tourism and hospitality industry. And it's free. So one way you could use to help me out share this podcast and let these voices be heard by more people is to share the podcast episode on your social media. Take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram, hashtag Truth Behind Travel Podcast, or you can take the link in the show notes and share it with your friends and family and with whoever you think might need to hear this. Thank you so much. I will see you again soon. And as of next week, we are going to change the format of the podcast a little bit. We're going to have shorter episodes that are strictly related to hospitality marketing, travel and tourism strategies, and we're going to have longer conversations with guests on the podcast. So you'll have one episode per week that is a longer conversation, perhaps with somebody from the industry or an expert or anyone that wants to share their story with you. And the second week, you will have instead the shorter episode with me focusing on digital marketing strategies and how to be part and own your place in the digitalization of the travel industry. Thank you and bye for now.